0: Welcome to ISOChat's Theology. I'm Lionel Windsor, New Testament Lecturer at Moore Theological College, Sydney. During the COVID-19 isolation, I chatted with lots of my friends and colleagues here at Moore about theology, Christian life and ministry. It's the kind of discussion we'd normally have over morning tea, but the topics are highly relevant to life in a changing world. So I wanted to let you listen in. Enjoy! part one of a wide-ranging chat I had with my Old Testament colleague Chris Thompson about the meaning of righteousness and justification in the Bible. In this first part we look at the meaning of righteousness. You'll also notice that I've had a haircut since we recorded the chat. Enjoy. Well, welcome, uh, it's my uh, pleasure to uh, welcome today Chris Thompson who's my colleague here at Moore College. Hi Chris. Hi. Uh, Chris is a lecturer in Old Testament here at more College uh, and we actually just live uh, a few doors from each other so uh, we're even though we're doing this uh, chat in isolation uh, we could theoretically walk on uh, out into the street uh, lean over and say hi to each other uh, but we're not doing that uh, we, we're doing this in our uh, our houses for good reason um, how are you going Chris just generally in in your uh, you know in the last few weeks of, of isolation and
1: yeah, I'm, I'm going pretty well. Thanks, Lionel. I've actually found it reasonably straightforward adjusting. Um, I was actually helped by the interview that you did with Simon and Margie Gillum a, a couple of weeks ago about culture shock. And, and actually chatting to Simon personally, he said to me, um, I imagine that a lot of the skills that you acquired when you moved over from the UK to Australia, which was quite a hard move for me, I imagine you're probably finding that you now have a lot of those skills of adapting to a new culture. Um, and I think that's been my experience. I think I've the idea of being at a distance from loved ones, the idea of having to get to grips with new norms, new um, rituals, and so on. That, that's been, I think, smoother for me than for some other friends of mine. So I'm thankful to God for that. Mm. How about you? How's it going yeah. with you?
0: Yeah, I think we're, we're generally going okay. Uh, I think uh, in, our, in our household, sometimes there have been some tensions and some disappointments and, and sadnesses mm. about things i'm really looking forward to seeing people face to face uh but compared to to many people relatively we're going we're going okay and yeah we have that's a good, good. um set up so that's that's good we're very grateful to god for that knowing that it's not not true for everyone yeah. um now we're talking, talking today about uh a an issue that's got nothing directly re- you know it's not directly related to the issue of covid 19 or isolation but it's uh, Perpetually relevant and important uh, to talk about, and I think it's important, and I know that uh, you, Chris think it's important. Uh, it's the question of uh, the the meaning of righteousness and justification. And just in relation to the question of justification and justification by faith only, uh, I, I go back to Martin Luther's great point uh, that if this this article, that is this uh, this doctrine of justification collapses, then the church collapses, and if it stands, uh, then the church stands. Uh, and uh, that's just a way of expressing the significance and importance that that Luther and many others uh, attached to these kinds of questions. Uh, and I, I think that's that's uh, that's true. I mean, I'm, you know, it's it's not true. I don't think any of us believe that uh, you can't be a Christian unless you fully understand all the minute details of justification. Uh, that's not what it's mm. saying. But what it is saying is that it's so core and so uh, relevant to our relationship with God and what it means mm-hmm. to be people that we need to, to get it right. Uh, and the other thing about those, um, that the reformers, uh, so Luther and Calvin, as well as many others, is that they actually saw the meaning of the words as being really significant. Uh, it's one of the reasons that, that Luther uh, pointed us to, uh, or said that it's really important to, to look at the original languages in Greek and, and Hebrew, Uh, Luther's own uh, understanding and and conversion was affected through uh, seeing what the real meaning of righteousness was in Romans 1.17, Uh, and Calvin, when he begins his discussion of uh, justification in his Institutes, he spends quite a few pages saying, now we've got to get the meaning of the words right uh, before we can start doing this. So uh, that's what we're talking about today, the meaning of the words, not because it's uh, just something that is you know, an esoteric question, uh, but because uh, it's actually been seen by the reformers and by many, and uh, I, I certainly I think that's the case. That uh, getting the meaning of the words uh, right really does matter. I'm not sure about you, yourself, uh, Chris. What, what's your what's your interest in this? What's your what's your take on those things?
1: Well, I absolutely agree that these are really foundational concepts, and um, for me, I the reason. Um, I first got interested in righteousness, and righteousness was the subject of my master's thesis at Cambridge. So in 2007, I left Oak Hill College, where I've been studying as an undergraduate student, and I went to Cambridge to pursue Old Testament scholarship. And um, one of the reasons that I really wanted to work in the Old Testament was it seems to me that the um, that Old Testament theology is the theological foundation for the New Testament, and therefore the theological foundation for 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 Christian doctrine, it's it's vitally important we get the Old Testament right if we're going to understand the New Testament. And time and again, I would find myself reading the work of New Testament scholars or systematic theologians. And I would find myself um, reading their statements about the Old Testament and thinking, really, is that right? But they were sort of making assumptions about what the Old Testament was saying. And my interest in righteousness came from um, reading Tom Wright and interacting with people who are big fans of Tom Wright. And um, Tom Wright uh, bases his whole understanding of justification on what he says is the meaning of the word righteousness in the Old Testament and the meaning of the word justification in the Old Testament. And he makes the, the point time and time again that it's really important when we're understanding, say, the Apostle Paul, to understand the Hebrew context of those words, to understand what those words mean in the Hebrew Bible. But the thing was that as I looked at the Hebrew Bible for myself, I didn't think, that the words meant what Tom Wright was saying that they meant. And so I thought, well, it would be really interesting to, for a master's thesis to actually look at um, the vocabulary around righteousness and justification in the Hebrew Bible and, and ask the question, what does it mean? And to look at what the Old Testament scholars were saying about righteousness, because Tom Wright in those works was not citing Old Testament scholars. He was just saying that this is accepted. Mm. And so I wanted to go back to those scholars and um, and explore what what the Old Testament scholarship says, what the Hebrew Bible itself says, what um, Jewish tradition and early Christian tradition says about those words. Hmm. And so um, that was my my master's thesis was actually on righteousness in the Book of Isaiah. But I um, in the course of that, I, I had a chapter that was really a survey of every. I looked at every instance of the um, the relevant Hebrew root in in all the scriptures. Um, and most of that chapter had to get chopped out. Perhaps one day it will see the light of day in published form, Um, but several years later there was a a symposium at the Theological University in Kampen in the Netherlands, and um, they had Tom Wright coming, there was going to be a a book launch, and uh, for, I think it was his book, When God Became King, had just been translated into Dutch, And so he uh, agreed to come to Theological University and he gave a paper that was based on his book, um, Paul and the Faithfulness of God. And they wanted three scholars to respond to him one from New Testament, one from Old Testament, one from systematic theology. And uh, a friend of mine who is there at the Theological University, Walter Rosa, said, Well, I know somebody who's done a lot of work on righteousness in the Old Testament. Let's invite him. So I got the opportunity to actually interact with Tom Wright in person at that conference. Um, And that was very eye opening as well because I gave a paper on uh what what does this group of words mean in the hebrew bible and tom's right right's reaction was surprise he mm-hmm. said um is dr thompson really disagreeing with all of these biblical scholars who think that it it, it means something else and i chatted to him privately afterwards and i said um i said I'm, I'm not i'm not quite sure what you meant because those scholars don't they don't take your view so he pointed me to a couple of um specific references and that led to a really fruitful conversation about the meaning of um terms like forensic and relational as they um as they used in old testament scholarship how he was understanding that old testament scholarship and then using those words and actually what the the old testament tradition understands by those words so actually that was quite eye-opening for me in terms of realizing what's behind i think quite a significant difference between old testament scholarship and at least Tom Wright's um, version of New Testament scholarship. Um, uh, and so I've kept up that interest since then, and I'm hoping um, at some point to publish a, an adapted version of that paper um, that I gave there and also gave subsequently at Cambridge. Oh, great, that's, that's good.
0: I, I, I know that we've had a few discussions with that, but I, I wasn't um, sure of, of, of that entire history, but that's 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 really helpful. Uh, and I mean, my, my uh, own interest is a little bit... Less in depth, but I still I still do see uh, it is very important. so um, in, in in just in my time, um, I, when I became a Christian, uh, the the actual my, my own conversion was actually affected through understanding that God accepts me entirely on the basis of Jesus and what he's done rather than anything that's in me or any righteousness that's in me. Uh, mm. And so that's been very important for me. Uh, and as time has gone on and and reading the reformers and and reading uh, in pauline theology uh, it's just come come back again and again and um, I almost wish like I had uh, that I had more time uh, to to discuss these things but this is my this is my excuse for us to to chat about it and uh, for us to chat about it uh, with with other people listening in, uh, I guess mm. uh, because it is so important and I've picked up similar things uh, from from reading things that, that Tom Wright and others have have written, and going, is that is that really the case? Yeah. Um, so maybe we should go back to uh, to think then uh, a little bit more, and maybe right from the start. Um, you know, so so you and I we haven't really had a huge chat about this beforehand. But one of the things that we said beforehand is it's really important for us to uh, right from the beginning to help people to see that there's there's actually two very important. They're related, but they're also distinct um, questions here, or, 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 or fields or areas. Um, one uh, question or field or area—maybe maybe it's not a field—but one question is: What does righteousness mean generally? What does the word righteousness mean? Mm. Um, and the word righteousness, and then also just the general word group associated with righteousness uh, in the Bible. And, and therefore, particularly in the Old Testament, but moving across into the New Testament as well, what does righteousness mean? What's the range of, of meanings? What, what is it, what's the basic meaning? That's one thing. What does righteousness mean? And the second question is, well, what about justification? What does justification mean? And um, why is justification something that uh, Paul talks about and that, that Um, is so significant uh, and those two things are related to each other but they're not identical Uh, and so sometimes the discussions can proceed as if especially in the New Testament fields I hear people in Pauline theology they'll they'll say oh you know they'll say well righteousness means and then they go on to give a definition that sounds more like justification um, thinking that they're defining righteousness but they're actually defining justification but you can't really understand one without the other. Uh, and, and so those two things are, are, are distinct
1: but, but separate. Did you
0: want to, to add to that or clarify?
1: No, I, I absolutely agree. And, and I think, uh, I mean, the field of study that I, I wrote my master's thesis on, and it's also one that I came back to after my PhD and postdoctoral work, is, is what we call lexical semantics. So that's to do with meaning of words. And one of the principles of lexical semantics is that when you have a group of words that share a root, um, which the terms righteousness and justification do in both Greek and Hebrew, they share a root. They're related mm. etymologically. So they, they, they come from the same origin. But it's a, it's a basic principle of lexical semantics that you have to look at each word individually. And you mm. can't assume that the, the meaning of one word transforms onto another. Um, mm so if you know if one of my students said to me that i was a uh, a terrific teacher uh you know i'd be really happy if they said i was a terrible teacher i'd be really unhappy but those two words come from the same root that has to do with fear you know am, am i awesome or am i awful um <laughs> and and it's like that with um with righteousness and justification actually i think the fact that in english we use two different roots we use the right root and the just justify root i think it actually um helps us but uh, you quite often read in in works of biblical theology um oh it's a real shame that in english we don't have one word that covers for both and so people make up words like righteousify or you know they talk about justice rather than talking about righteousness but i I think they are distinct words and i think they uh, express different concepts
0: Mm -hmm. okay so that's that's helpful and theologically it matters too because Absolutely. Actually, if you start talking about righteousness, then you're not necessarily talking about justification uh, and our right. stand for God, and vice versa so uh, to get that well then let's let's ask the question then what let's start with righteousness um, mm. I, I I want to ask you from
1: your from your research in Isaiah and the Old Testament and elsewhere what what is righteousness? What does it mean yeah, yeah. Well, it's a good question, and it's it's I, I think as, as academics we always want to give kind of complex, nuanced, multifaceted answers. So I'm going to try and keep this simple. Um, and uh, and so that I think the, the basic meaning of, there are two Hebrew words in, um, uh, there are two words in Hebrew that we translate as righteousness. One is the word Zedek, mm-hmm. and one is the word Zedakah. Um, zedaka. mm-hmm. um, so they come from the same root. They both have uh, Tzadeh, Dalet, Kof, mm-hmm. as their three root letters. So they're related. but. They're, they're not exactly synonymous. So, um, and both of them tend to get translated in the Greek Old Testament as dikasune. So both of them, I think, are relevant when we come to understand the Greek language. But is one an adjective, adjective. the other a noun? Sorry, so just to, a big to, pun? to... I mean, there's one an adjective and the other a noun? Is that, is no, that... they're both nouns. So mm-hmm. there's also, um, there's, a, there's an adjective which corresponds, which is sadik. Oh, sadik. Sorry, yes, sadik. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I, so yep. Zadik okay. is an adjective and means essentially a righteous person. Yes. Um, okay. Righteousness is uh is Zedek or Zakhar. And is broadly that. speaking, Zedek refers to um the quality of uh of righteousness. If you're a tzadique, then you're um you're somebody who is characterized by Zedek. Um it's um uh, it means that you're, uh, you're a good person. You could, you could understand it as moral goodness.
0: Mm.
1: Whereas dakar typically refers to good behavior. So it's actually an action word. And you can, um, not every Old Testament scholar agrees on that distinction, but there's a few significant articles which I think prove it um, uh, beyond any reasonable doubt, I think, in my mind. There's some overlap. But what you find, for example, is that the word to do in Hebrew, that verb, uh, quite often has stakkar as its object, but it, it never has zedek as its object. Mm. So zedek is not something you do, stakkar is something you do. Um, and you often find uh, zedek used uh, in a construction we call a genitive of quality. So you find you know, paths of zedek or um, weights of zedek and so on. So it's a, it's a word that can be used to describe the quality of something. But it's a moral quality um the the, there's a few cases where it's used with inanimate objects like weights or scales but i think even there it has moral connotations the idea is that you're not um cheating in your weights and measures and so on Mm -hmm. And, and i think it's really important to stress it is a moral quality so whenever it occurs in combination with other phrases it's phrases like uprightness cleanness of hands um it's contrasted with wickedness, and one of one of the best ways to to work out what a word means is look at its opposites. Um, it's it's used in um, uh, in some cases. It's used in a, a law court setting, a forensic setting. But it's really important to stress, and this is one of the points where um, I differ very strongly with Tom Wright. In the law court setting, to be um, Zadig, um, to possess Zedek, it's not um, something that the court confers on you, it's it's whether you're actually innocent or guilty of, of that particular crime. So uh, a Zedek in the law court setting is an innocent person, not somebody that the court has found innocent. And so the reason it's being used in a law court setting is because the law court is
0: seeking to determine whether this person is uh,
1: so think, correct yeah, yeah correct yeah, that's, so you get past like in proverbs i think it's seventeen fifteen. it says somebody who justifies that is acquits the wicked uh, or finds in favor of the wicked and somebody who condemns the righteous who um finds against the person who is in the right they're an abomination to to the lord but you can see that that would be a contradiction in terms if you didn't become a tzaddik until the the court had actually found in your favour. It's mm. theoretically impossible, although grossly unjust, to justify the guilty. You mean theoretically to possible the innocent? Yeah.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. And so that's that's what an unjust judge would do, or an un, an unrighteous judge would would do. Yeah. I, I, you see, I, I think what you're saying there is 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 exactly what I've seen, and I, I, I remember the passage in in tom wright's book on justification where he makes it very very clear here. and he says no good reformed or lutheran theologian mm. could ever disagree with this he says yeah that righteousness is not a moral quality he says yeah and if you're a good reformed or lutheran theologian of course you'd agree with me there
1: um and then said, because tom wright says again and again that, that you know we need to go back to the bible and look at what the bible says but there he's sort of you know, he's saying, "Well, you, my theological framework makes me say this," and yes, I, I yes. agree with you. I think I, I think he's he's wrong about that.
0: Yeah, I, I, but I think the reason, and here's, here's my here's my guess, um, but I think the reason he says it is because he's ref, he's he's um, confusing righteousness with justification. So mm. that is um, no good Protestant or Reformed theologian would disagree that justification is is about, you know, it's not about the quality within us. It's it's about Mm. uh, God's declaration or however you want to put it. Um, So in terms of justification, that's that's true. Uh, But just in terms of what the word righteousness means, which is what we're talking about right now, uh, Mm. that's not true. And we need to be um, understanding what righteousness means first before we start discussing what justification means to see what does is
1: that surprising absolutely um, as Mama, you're, you're from, a new testament scholar would you say the same is true of the new testament when when paul for example talks about de karsune, is he always talking about righteousness in that sense of um moral behavior yes i, I would um, and I, as i
0: as i look it up as i look at the dictionaries of uh, bdag and others that's that's how it, it comes across um, Mm. However, I'm saying that as a New Testament scholar, where currently, I know that as I read many other, many eminent New Testament scholars, I'm, mm. I'm not actually agreeing with them at that point. Uh, because mm. I think that they've actually confused righteousness and justification. Uh, so mm. I think many New Testament scholars do that. And that's actually quite unfortunate in, in many, many ways. Uh, and we've forgotten that. but uh, but certainly for my money I would say yes that is the case that uh, righteousness de um, and the dikaos that the 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 adjective that describes the person is is a moral quality uh, and that's actually what makes justification so surprising that's that's the issue uh, and yeah. so and I've also found that when I say that when I say that righteousness is a moral quality that um, certain quite um, you know vocal uh, strongly reformed people will jump up and down and say no 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 you're wrong because you're undermining justification by faith if you say it's a moral quality mm. uh, and I think again there's that misunderstanding but it's actually the, the reason that justification by faith is so incredibly important and surprising is because righteousness is a moral quality uh, mm. but justification is not a moral quality and that's that's the distinction between the two uh, I know I feel like i 'm laboring the point here, but um I think we need to 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 do that to, uh to help us to see that but yes yeah so i I agree there um, yeah so 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 it's a, it's a, yeah it's moral it's moral it's it's measuring up to the moral standard, and therefore the word the, the English word "right" actually is pretty good as a translation because well righteous because right and wrong we use right and wrong for moral qualities. Uh, and so, righteous is is a is a reasonable thing to do. Then, I guess.
1: I mean, I think the word the word we normally would use is good. You know, you mm. would say, um, you know, Noah was a good person in his mm. generation. It doesn't mean that he's perfect, mm. but he's good. Um, yeah. And I think I think it's it's helpful as well. I think to to note that righteousness is something that it's a there's a scale. It's not something that you either are righteous or you're not righteous. So you can be more righteous than somebody else. So there's a few passages, for example, um, Judah and Tamar in Genesis 8:38. 38. Um, he says, um, she is more righteous than I, or um, Saul says to David, you are more righteous than I. So it's, it's, it's not something that you either are or you're not righteous. It's something that there can be degrees of. And I think because there can be degrees of it, you can say without contradiction, that um, a particular person is righteous, and yet there is no one who is wholly righteous. there's no one who's entirely righteous. Mm. Um, just as Jesus does um, with the word "good." So Jesus says in, in Matthew five that God makes um, the uh, I forget if it's the sun or the rain um, He brings the, the sun or the rain on both the good and the evil. And he uses a plural noun there. So what he's saying is, you know, God, God shows favor to all people, both good people and bad people. Um, But later on in Matthew, he says, you know, there is only one who is good, Mm. you know, God. So um, how how is it not a contradiction that uh, there are good people in the world and yet no one is good apart from God? Well, because you can use the word in an absolute sense or in a, a relative sense. Um, and I think that's that's significant because it actually means that um, the the good things that we do um, you know they 're not irrelevant to God you know God does note them and regard them as righteous but um, I think it's also true that um, because we all sin that righteousness that we have that that, that comes to us because of our good deeds, it's not sufficient for us to then be able to approach God um, as though we hadn't sinned ever. Mm. So I think that's, that's an important distinction. Um, that, you know, I can say Lana Windsor is a good person. Um, and at the same time, I can say, but he's not, um, he's not good in the way that Jesus is good, he's not 100% good. He's not somebody who has no sin to declare when he, he meets God on the last day. Um, can, can I, and I, I th- yeah, I think that's very
0: right. Um, can I come in there to, to uh, just to run something by you? Um, mm. uh, and that is that the thing about um, th- these words, um, and uh, as, as well as in the, uh, in the Greek, uh, is that often they're words that are talking about uh, measuring up to a, a, usually a moral standard. Conforming uh, yeah. to a moral moral norm, and so partly it depends on what kind of standard you're using uh, as to whether you determine that someone is righteous or not. Uh, and so, if the standard is, for example, in the Psalms, David pleads his righteousness, and he's doing that in the face of his enemies, and he's doing that in the face of of the the wicked, and he's saying, "Well, look look at me. I've 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 tr- I trust you, God, uh, vindicate me because I'm righteous." Uh, he's not saying, "Vindicate me because I'm completely morally perfect." Uh, yeah. And the case with Bathsheba is just an obvious example, but that's not what he's saying. He's just saying, in terms of the standards of of you know whether or not uh, I, I am doing the right thing by following you and mm. um, basically being innocent in this situation, I'm yeah. righteous. Uh, so so vindicate me uh, yeah. and that's that's true in uh in, in many places yeah
1: i think that i think that's true i think um the i mean there are different interpretations of those phrases as a whole monograph um has been written on it um, um but um i think that's that's important to say and, and and perhaps i should have said this earlier that that righteousness can be used in in different ways um you can use, um, and, and just for simplicity, I'll, I'll, I'll lump together those three words that I've already mentioned. I'll leave aside the, the related verb, which is a little different, but those words, Zedek, Zedek, and the adjective, Um You can use them to describe someone in the general sense, um, but you can also use them in a situation um, to, to say whether you're in the right in that situation. Um, an illustration I've sometimes used is if you you know, if you imagine that there was some murder on the streets of Sydney and let's say there was some gangster who was known to the police, uh, you know, who'd committed a whole bunch of other crimes. Um, Let's say that 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 mobster had a cast iron alibi and turned up in court and said, I'm innocent. And the judge says, you know, "I I find you innocent. That doesn't mean that that person hasn't committed any crimes it means that they're innocent of that particular crime and so sometimes the word zadik is used for innocence in relation to a particular crime or a particular accusation sometimes it's used in a general sense of somebody's character and that's what old testament scholars mean when they talk about the forensic use and i think this 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 hits on i think one of those misunderstandings that i mentioned with tom wright because when we had that conversation in um, he said to me, "Well, look at Skinner's commentary on, on Genesis, the ICC commentary on Genesis. Um, uh, look at—he uses the word forensic in uh, in describing um, the attraction between Judah and Tamar, mm. and and he does indeed. But but he means by it that 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 um, that she's righteous in that particular situation that they're in." Not a general statement of her character. So to clarify,
0: topic, um, so just to clarify that that is when when Judah says to Tamar, "You are more righteous than I."
1: Yeah. Uh,
0: there's a sense of that. There's it's it's like a, a metaphorical quasi
1: law court sort of thing. Exactly. exactly. Yeah, that, for a judge yeah. in this in this issue. Then actually, be- but the judge has not yet declared the verdict. Hmm. Um, but nevertheless, Tom Wright is, has. Taken that word forensic and taken it to mean that means it's a legal declaration. Mm. Um, so, um, but you also mentioned norms, and I think that that um, leads us on to the the second important thing. It's important to realize about the Old Testament scholarship is that um, there's been a, a, a debate, um, probably um, probably going back to to Kramer. I know you've done some work on Kramer. I'll ask you about about him in a moment, but. Um, but at the end of the 19th century, Kramer introduced this idea that righteousness was something relational. And Old Testament scholars have debated, uh, is is righteousness about relationship or is it about norm? And you'll find in a lot of the discussions about righteousness among Old Testament scholars, that's the way the debate is framed. Is it a relationship or is it a norm? And basically what, what the norm people are saying um, is, um, that, there's this, uh, that righteousness is to do with conformity to a standard. And, and early on, people were getting that from their understanding of the etymology of the relevant words. So the idea is that righteousness is to do with um, uh, meeting a particular standard. Mm. And those phrases I talked about earlier, like the scales of righteousness and the, the weights of righteousness, people were saying oh, it's not to do with integrity and honesty. It's actually to do with just um, you know, their, their proper weights. So there was this idea that that righteousness was all about a norm. But then others came along and they said, well, um, no, it's not about a norm. It's not about an objective standard that always applies. It's actually about a relationship. Um, And righteousness is doing what is right within the confines of a particular relationship. And the relationship determines what is right. So not every Old Testament scholar would agree with the way that you put it, that it's about a norm. Yep. a lot of them would say it's actually about a relationship. Now, for what it's worth, I think it's a bit of a false dichotomy. Um, the, Judah and Tamar, it, that episode in Genesis 38, for some reason that's the example that everyone goes to to say it's about a relationship. And the idea is that the reason that Judah is able to say um, she's more righteous than I is, is because even though she's done something wrong, if you, if you remember the story, she's pretended to be a... Prostitute and she slept with him, and then she's got pregnant. The argument goes, but but she rather than he did what was required by the relationship. Now um, the reason I think is a false dichotomy is I think whenever you've got the question of is somebody doing what's right or are they doing what's wrong, um, there's normally a relationship involved at some level. Uh, at the very least, in the Hebrew Bible, you've got the relationship with God and the covenant framework that's that's helping us understand what is right and wrong in a particular context. But I think at the same time, there's always a norm as well. So there's a norm of how I should relate to my father. There's a norm of how I should relate to my servant. There's a norm of how, you know, in the Hebrew Bible, I don't have a servant personally. But um, but norms and relationships, I think, are both part of the context. Mm-hmm. Um, what I would say is that is that the the word itself doesn't um, bring with it those associations. It's it's the context. So um, just in the same way that a um, a tall ship is taller than a tall man. Hmm. I think the word tall is not tall with reference to some objective standard. Um, It's just tall, and the context tells me what I expect of tallness in a particular context. Hmm. Now, with relationship, um, Tom Wright's understanding, which I think is quite unique to him, I think even Old uh, New Testament scholars um, don't tend to follow him on this. Um, His understanding is that righteousness means being in the relationship. Hmm. So, um, And again, he cites Old Testament scholars, um, people like Gerhard von Rad and others. And he he says, well, they say that righteousness is a relational concept. Hmm. Uh, And he takes them to mean that they think the righteous person is somebody who is in relationship with God, somebody who's in the covenant, one of God's covenant people. Hmm. But that's not what they mean. What they mean by relational, is that the, the, the framework of the relationship and in particular the covenant framework is what tells you what right and wrong looks like hmm. so that that's really significant when when um when i read romans 4 and i took talk, it talks about god crediting righteousness as i as i read that as an old testament scholar it seems to me that it means that god gives the credit that that's due to somebody who's done right somebody who's Who's um, fulfilled God's requirements. But Tom Wright reads that completely differently. And he thinks that crediting righteousness means declaring that somebody is one of the people of God in that relationship with God. Mm. So that's quite a significant um, distinction.
0: Yeah, definitely. I'm just reflecting on, there's a number of things to reflect on. Just in on the last you said about Tom Wright, in his translation of, of Romans uh, in the New Testament for everyone, I think it's called, um, he'll actually, mm. when he comes to the word righteousness, um he'll actually translate that as a member of the covenant, so he won't translate it as righteousness he'll he'll he mm. thinks it means um uh, it's a membership word uh as is, is so so that's certainly true, but I don't really know if many people follow him on that um, mm. yeah, and I think that is right so in my in my head, I just had the idea of conforming with the norm just just there, but I'd never seen a huge dichotomy either partly because the thing about morality um, is that it so often has to do with relationships, uh, and so what 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 is right and wrong? Very often, it's got to do with how we relate to people, and if it mm. isn't doesn't necessarily have to do with how we relate to people. Uh, in the biblical worldview, it has to do with how we relate to God, and so it's always caught up with a conformity. If it's a conformity to a norm, it's an, a norm that's been established by God, the Creator. Uh, and so it's got to do with a right relationship with God, the Creator, uh, who has put these norms and established these norms because of His own character and who He is, and will also call us to account. And so, for that reason, it's relational, and there's a there's a forensic element to it, knowing that God the sure. Creator will call us to
1: account. Uh, so, but if, even, even now, I think I I just want to. Um, uh, just clarify that that to some extent that's a theological um, mm. statement. Right. The word yeah. itself, I think, doesn't imply anything about a relationship with God. So, for example, um, Gentiles yeah. can describe themselves as as tzaddik. So when Abraham um, uh, spends time with um, Abimelech, uh, a Gentile king, and Abimelech, you remember that Abraham says that Sarah is actually his. Sister, and so Abnerlek takes takes her into his harem, and mm. he says, "I." And, and then he's he's um he's afflicted by God, and he says, "Look, um we're a a, a good we're an innocent nation." Mm. Um, yeah. he's not saying anything about their relationship with God. He's just saying, you know, I didn't do anything wrong. I didn't touch her. Mm. Um, yeah. Yeah, so, so it, it, it's a broad um, word that, that can be used theologically. So it's a very, very broad word. And it's really important that although it does, it's, it might be used in a particular context with a particular theological shape and particular the, theological overtones, they're not intrinsic to the meaning of the word. Mm, and I mm. think, um, uh, you know, this is something else where um, uh, I, I would differ with Tom Wright. He thinks that the word is inherently a covenantal word. I just happen to think it gets used a lot in the context of the covenant, because the covenant is everywhere in the Bible. Um, it's often in the background, if not in the fore- foreground. And so Tom Wright will point to passages where um, the, the vocabulary of righteousness is used in close connection with the vocabulary of covenant. And he'll say, well, that proves that it's a covenantal word. Uh, and I would say, no, it proves that they're associated, that they can, they can coexist in the same context. But it doesn't tell you that the word can't exist outside of a covenantal context. Mm, um, yeah yeah so there's got to be careful as you said at the beginning between uh, the meaning of the words themselves and then the sort of theological things that we can do with those words and um, what what they come to mean in whole sentences and paragraphs of books that's
0: right that's that's important it, it just in the basic observation that the translators the Septuagint were very happy to use which it was a word that's very common uh mm. all over the place in in greek and um isn't Covenantal word in in general Greek. It's it's a word that mm. means basically being being right. It's used a lot by, by Plato and a whole lot of other people uh, to mm. mean being being right, um, just um, proper, you know, properly set up, uh, goodness, uh, etc. So mm. uh, yeah, I think that's that's helpful. Um, let's well okay. So righteousness. We we I think we've 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 explored a little bit about that that meaning of righteousness. Was there anything else that you wanted to say? Before we start to talk about justification, then,
1: was there anything else? Well, I think one thing that might um, might segue a little bit into justification is that um, one of the, I mentioned that there's a whole bunch of complications around the word, and there are. It's mm-hmm. both those words, Zedek and Dakar, they change their meaning in late biblical Hebrew and on into the, um, the, the pre-New Testament period. Mm-hmm. But I think one of the complications that um, that is worth mentioning is that the words Dakar, sometimes can be used to refer to um, not just the righteous deed, but also, as it were, that righteous deed as it's remembered before God. And I think the, the metaphor that's in view is the metaphor of, of God keeping an account. And this is a metaphor that, um, that, that comes up a few times in, uh, in the Hebrew Bible. Um, I think you find it, for example, in Psalm 32, which is a really key text for justification um, because of the way that Paul uses it in Romans 4. But in Psalm 32, you've got this idea of sins being blotted out as a, a way of expressing divine forgiveness. And so the image is that God has a book where he records sins. And there are a couple of places as well where it, it seems to be um, that, that God is recording righteous deeds in a book. And that word tzedakah can be used um, to refer to that, that, if you like, that credit that you have in God's accounts um there's there's a couple of places in the bible i think the the, the um uh the, the the clearest though are um a sort of post hebrew bible where um you find for example in uh there's a uh, one of the letters um from uh elephantine uh is a letter um to the persian governor bagohi and um the 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 jewish priests of the uh, what's now elevantine what was then the town of yeb they they ask for permission to rebuild the temple and they say if you if you let us rebuild the temple um it says you will have more righteousness O governor mm. before the lord the god of heaven mm. than a person who offers him burnt offerings and sacrifices worth a thousand talents of silver so this idea that if you if you do a righteous deed then you will kind of possess this this almost thing, righteousness before the God of heaven. And I think the metaphor is is one of of having a credit in God's account. So I think that's that's the easiest way to understand it because sin and righteousness are are really two sides of the same coin. And that's something that you see very often with sin in the Hebrew Bible. Um, I think it also, you know, when Nehemiah says, remember me for what I've done, it's that same idea. Mm. Um, And also in 4QMMT, which is in a text that, that, that Tom Wright quite often refers to, but 4QMMT from the Dead Sea Scrolls. Just for those who, are sorry, obviously. yes, it's, yep, yep, yep. it's one of the Dead Sea Scrolls. Um, you get this phrase that you know, if you if you kind of keep keep these laws, um, it will be credited to you as righteousness when you do what is upright and what is good before Him. Hmm. So this idea that righteousness is something that can be credited. Um, finneas in Psalm one hundred six, same idea, and I think what's being credited there is um, the, the the good work. I think that's what's going on in Psalm one hundred six. Tom Wright takes a different view of Psalm one hundred six because of the reference to covenant, but it seems to me that that righteousness is something that that can be credited, and you therefore kind of in a sense possess it before God. Mm. Mm. And so um, I think that that starts to 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 lead to. The, the concept of justification. Um, and I can I can talk about the Hebrew vocabulary around the verb justify. Yeah. It. Just, just to but, pause but but it just seems really to say that what you're saying is
0: is it is actually really important for the for the New Testament and for reading Paul, especially in Romans four as you said, because mm. when Paul uses the language of crediting and righteousness, he's mm. not using it in some vacuum. He's actually using it against the backdrop of the, the expectation is that crediting righteousness means God looking at a person's deeds, um, righteous deeds, and having and saying that is that is good in in my account, uh, yeah. and that has to do with with things like eternal life and and God's Absolutely. God's judgment uh, or, or reward of eternal life. That's the kind of concept that people have in their heads as Jewish people uh, when.
1: That language is used yeah just to just to clarify that no i think that's helpful in, in the old testament there's a basic framework um and and the basic the, the basic framework of the way that god interacts with righteousness and wickedness is that god rewards righteousness and punishes wickedness and and if he doesn't do that straight away then the idea is that you have this book of account and that god keeps record and that in the future uh, your, your sin will come back at you, your righteousness will will come to you as a reward. and I think when um, when we then ask the question well how is it that god is is gracious towards um, people who are sinners uh, then then that's that's a really important theological question, but it's a question that comes within a basic framework which says that normally you expect if you sin that you're going to be punished for the sin and you expect if you do something good that you're going to be rewarded for it. Um, but I, I think it is helpful to realise that that righteousness is something that can be credited. That the, the um, Tom Wright sometimes says, "Well, it's you know." Sometimes when he hears evangelicals talking about um, you know imputation of righteousness, he, he says, "Well, righteousness isn't stuff that you can pass around." And I think that's a bit of a straw man. No one's saying that it's stuff that you're passing around a courtroom. Um, what you're saying is that it's actually a record in a book that you can you know you can cross it out. You can. Um, You can cross it out or you can write it in. And so you could theoretically cross somebody's sins out. You could theoretically chalk those sins up in a different book belonging to a different person, and the same with righteousness.
0: Well, that's the end of part one. In part two, we move on to talk about justification. You've been listening to Isochat's Theology. I'm Lionel Windsor, New Testament lecturer at Moore Theological College, Sydney. If you like this podcast, please consider sharing us and please review and rate the podcast on your favourite podcast platform so others get to hear about it too. Video versions are available on YouTube or on my website at lionelwindsor.net. You might also like to check out another podcast I've created called Lift Your Eyes a series of 70 reflections on Ephesians. By the way, the name for this podcast was created by Adelaide Windsor. The theme music was written and performed by me and Harry Windsor, and the cover art was designed by Ellie Windsor. Love their work. Thanks for listening.